Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth with the Simply 127 podcast. I'm so excited today to have Manny and Jillian Prieto with us. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us, Sarah Beth. We're excited to be here. Um, first of all, I just want you guys to give a brief introduction. A lot of our listeners might not know um, who you guys are, how you fit in with the Simply 127 podcast. They've probably maybe seen Manny more, but I know we're both co-work, we're all co-workers, we're all friends. And so I'd just love you to tell a little bit more about your involvement with uh, 127. I'm offended that you would suggest that we're not household names. Um, yeah. Uh, not quite yet. Yeah. Not quite yet. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm Manny. Uh, I work at 127. I'm the director of operations, um, which is, if anybody knows me, that's probably where they know me from, is from some boring email I sent them or something. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been part of the 127 family for a couple of years now, serving in that role. Uh, and then I also, uh, serve as one of the pastors of Imago Day Church. Um, so we're connected in multiple ways. Um, my day job is at 127, but I've been serving uh, as one of the elders at IDC for almost seven years now uh, in that capacity. And then Jillian, I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, my name is Jillian and really my affiliation with 127 has been, um, yeah, since the past couple of years too. Uh, I guess as Manny joined the family of 127, so did I. And that's kind of how we, we got the whole crew. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and you got our whole crew. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have four girls, two, uh, through adoption, um, after a long road of foster care. And that's kind of, I think really how our story ties into what you guys do at 127 and in, in caring for the vulnerable. Yeah, so that's a great segue. I would love for you just to share a little bit um, about your journey through deciding to be foster parents, deciding to adopt, and really at what point in your all's relationship did that become part of the conversation? I think we were both um, passionate about the idea of adoption, the belief in adoption individually. Um, even before we met each other, that idea had come into both of our uh, minds just through different experiences and um, even hearing Imago Day and, and how they spoke about adoption in just a way I had never heard before, um, not as a plan B, but as a plan A in uh, how the Lord cares for the vulnerable. And so as we started dating and um, eventually got married, we always knew that that was something that we wanted to do. I don't think either of us could have anticipated when we decided to make that leap. And honestly, the leap that we made is something that happened really because of something that happened at our church a couple of years ago. And Manny was actually the one, I think it would be good for you to kind of share how that came up for you. Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, uh, foster care adoption, this idea of obeying the command description this way, I think for both of us was uh, something we had considered um, prior to even knowing each other, prior to prior to coming to IDC. Um, but for me personally, uh, it was always much more of an abstraction, something that I knew to be true from the scriptures and that I affirmed, but not really something that I had ever uh, in, in any meaningful way seen lived out, you know. Uh, and so coming to IDC, um, uh, in those early days of, of uh, this church, uh, it, there were so many families uh, who had in some way or another uh, participated in adoption and caring for orphans and caring for the vulnerable in all these different ways. Um, and so it just became much more real. It became not just this idea that I could affirm, um, but this thing that like I could see lived out in people's real lives. 
And so by the time you and I started dating and got engaged, uh, we were having conversations uh, pertaining to what would this look like in our family one day? What would that be like? Um, and we certainly were on the same page about, you know, a, a general desire to do that, um, to live it out um, in, in, in actual tangible ways. Um, but then we got married and uh, we just got busy with the busyness of life. And um, this thing that we said we wanted to do, you know, uh, two years into marriage, we hadn't really done anything about other than affirm that we were for it. And so I distinctly remember one Sunday where uh, somebody at IDC, uh, actually it was Ashok Nachani who was on the podcast a few weeks back here. Um, he shared, he was sharing his testimony and uh, it was not, the point of which was not at all foster care or adoption, but he just mentioned in passing uh, that uh, he was a foster parent. He and his wife were foster parents. And that, uh, that really like that stuck out to me um, because it forced me to ask myself questions like, Hey, that's, uh, that's something that we could be doing. Um, should we be doing that right now? Why haven't we taken these steps? What is, what is, what is the problem? You know? And so I came home with that, you know, just in the back of my mind, turning the gears and, uh, that, that night at dinner or around dinner time, I remember, uh, bringing it up to you and just tr- kind of dropping that bomb and saying, Hey, why don't we consider becoming foster parents? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that to you was way out of left field. It was, you know, I think we were always, united on the fact that we wanted to adopt down the road, down the road. Um, and foster care hadn't really come up as a part of that conversation. I think in my mind, I had thought that we would try to have kids biologically first and then somewhere down the road, we would Mm -hmm. pursue adoption. And so here he is asking, what if we kind of reverse that? What if we flip it? And actually, um, and the conversation wasn't really about adoption. It was about specifically fostering and how can we care for those in our community, families in our community who are in need, who are going through the most difficult times in their lives. Um, what can we do about it? And I had a lot of questions (laughs) for him, a lot of concerns. I was nervous. And then I realized as I asked all these questions, there was no reason for me to, not do this except for fear, fear of the unknown, fear of what if this is too painful? What if it hurts? What if, you know, the the list goes on. And so realizing that it was mostly about fear and mostly about my own comfort, that was my hesitation. Um, I think that's when I honestly came to peace with God doesn't always ask us to be comfortable. He doesn't ask us to do things that um, are always keeping us in the the position we've always been in without any kind of, um, I don't know, uncertainty. And so that really gave me the confidence to move forward and say, why don't we step out in faith uh, through what we believe is obedience at, at this time for this call and, and see what it looks like to become foster parents. And yeah. so we did. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that even hearing you like, tell that that stands out to me, you know, trying to put myself in the listener's position is the fact that we, we did it in what is not really the standard way, right? If there is a standard way, um, that we made the decision to foster first before even uh, trying, you had no idea if we could have biological children, just hadn't gone down that path. And I, I would just highlight there, um, there's nothing really special about us, uh, (laughs) or unique. It's not like, you know, uh, 
I mean, we're painfully boring and as as average as it gets, you know, kind of across the board, you know. Manny likes spreadsheets, so yeah, that kind of gives you insight into his personality. Yeah. I would say especially Manny's boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little less boring. Yeah, that's us the boring one. Um, but I, I say that because, like, I don't want to give the impression that, like, we had, like, this unique insight into, like, how how best to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We truly came about about this, uh, you know, and I highlighted because I'm like, it is nothing but the grace of the Lord that, <laughs> you know, he used people like us for this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were just, like, foolishly, I think now, like, we felt like we're not really ready to, like, go down the path of, you know, being pregnant um, biologically and maternity leave and having a newborn. Like, all these things seem so foreign but also where we are right now, we're stable. We have stable jobs. We feel like we could have kids. It's just like that process, like that early process just felt like we're not there yet, but we can temporarily open our home and have kids, you know, for short seasons. And that's really kind of what we had in mind is we can serve right now. We can meet needs right now. Um, you know, and in retrospect, I'm like, why did I think that I could <laughs> not have a newborn, you know, and not be pregnant? Well, I wouldn't be pregnant, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, why did I think that I couldn't do that, but I could have, you know, two toddlers in my home, <laughs> you know, and, and looking back, I'm like, it's nothing but the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. That something good came out of that because it's my mm-hmm. own foolishness in thinking that. Um, you just took like baby steps and then figured yeah. out, figured it out as you went along. Mm-hmm. It really has been a theme throughout this whole process. Just mm-hmm. how good and faithful the Lord has been to use yeah. people like us that are unremarkable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the lack of understanding of what would come honestly was a a gift from the Lord that we just said, we are in this out of obedience. We know this will be hard, but there's no way to prepare for the difficulties that lie ahead in any life transition. Um, yeah. So honestly, I'm just thankful that the Lord gave us the desire to do that at the time. Um, because I think that helped and was a, was a true gift and anger for us as we then started going through the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely want to respect the girl's story as their own to tell. And we want to be sensitive to that, but also just kind of thinking through, it wasn't just like you fostered in the next day you had a family of four. Mm-hmm. So thinking a lot through the journey of the adoption process, the fostering process, what you feel comfortable sharing. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you could talk about how did that change your all's relationship with each other and then especially with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I appreciate you asking the question in that way, because um, uh, that is, you know, an important thing to consider is that um, much of the story is not ours to tell. You know, it involves others and the lives of others. And so we want to be respectful of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly not overnight. You know, we didn't wake up one day and you know, have adoption papers you know, at our doorstep. There was a long process. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we, we were signing up uh, in our minds. We were always open handed about it. You know, so we, we recognize the, the potential that a uh, foster placement could become, you know, a permanent adoption. Um, but we understood that to be fairly unlikely, um, uh, a fairly unlikely outcome. And so we came into it with open arms, open hands, and anticipating a relatively short-term placement. Um, but through that, uh, you know, one of our desires in, in doing this was to care for families in our community, to care for uh, people in our community. And I really feel like we got a chance to do that because um, of this, you know, long process, you know, from the day the girls showed up on our door as a foster a foster placement until the day that we got papers in the mail saying like they are your daughters legally. And it was a long process. Um, but we we got intertwined with other people in our community beyond just these two girls and everything from 
relationships with social workers uh, to relationships with the biological family, um, uh, relationships that continue to this day. Um, I, I really see the blessing in that. And so, yeah, I mean, it certainly is not an overnight process. Um, but through that, I feel like the Lord, again, not because of us, but in, in spite of us, like really was able to answer our prayers in ways that we, ha- we were not realizing in the moment. We want to care for our community and we got a chance to do that. And the reason why we want to do that is because we believe the gospel is true. We believe that that's the kind of love and the grace that we've received, how we've been cared for, how we've been welcomed into a family that, that wasn't our own and now is. Um, we wanted to, to, in some small way, share that. Mm-hmm. And we got, really got a chance to do that through this process. Yeah, the process, you know, foster care and then ending in adoption, it was very long. It was about two and a half years. And many people who go through this process it takes even longer than that. So our case and our story was a relatively simple one. And you can imagine that being simple, but still it takes two and a half years. You know, there's just a lot that happens. There were a lot of emotions, a lot of questions and situations that happened. Um, I think that helped us as a couple grow closer together because we had to talk about things. We had to be real with each other. We had to have these intense conversations about what the future looks like and how do we handle this situation and how do we love the girls? How do we love their birth family? How do we love the social workers who are in our home? And it is a very vulnerable open time because twice a month, at least, you have somebody in your home who is from the county who's asking questions and checking on you. And these are good things. They need to be done but there is just a almost a sense of there's a constant revolving door of people and situations. And you might be told one thing one week and the next week it's the exact opposite. And so there's a lot of mental and emotional energy poured out on a regular basis. Also while being for us, first time parents. <laughs> and so that was a lot to take in. You know, we, um, had no kids. And then we had two kids overnight and had a lot of opportunities to trust God. A lot of opportunities. I think that is that process. perfectly stated. Um, and just knowing that he loves these girls even more than we do. And, you know, our responsibility is to love them, but also to love their birth family as a part of them and as a part of their story. And that's, you know, something we can share more about too. Okay, just for a little bit more clarification, you're mentioning how quickly you got certified and then you had kids in your home. (laughs) So could you tell us just a little bit more about that process and what the first few days looked like once the girls were with you? Yeah, so so from start to finish, I'd say we inquired about fostering in August, took some classes September, October, uh, and there was kind of a little bit of a lag. And then December is when the girls came to, to live with us. And so... Earlier that day, we had been reached out to by one of the social workers. Uh, well, let's let's fill out some drama here. Too, <laughs> it's a little bit dramatic. Yeah, I'm at work and I get a phone call from our uh, licensing worker uh, who is frantic on the phone saying, I've been trying to reach your wife 
uh, and I can't get a hold of her and we have some placements for you. And I'm like, I am not allowed to make this decision without consulting my wife. <laughs> And so I'm like, can I get back to you? He's like, I mean, you've got like an hour because, you know, like we've got to find the placement now. <laughs> and so I tried to call Jillian and I'm just like, she's not picking up. You had actually mentioned earlier that day that you weren't feeling well. So I think you had gone home. And so I just told my boss, I'm like, I've, I've got to go. I, th- I think I have a foster placement coming tonight. It's, I've, I've got to go. And he was so gracious, you know, to, so he said, go, go, you know. Uh, so I raced home and I so was asleep. Yeah. I had a migraine that day. So I was yeah. passed out. <laughs> yeah, so I like, woke you up and I was like, are you okay with, if we take two kids uh, tonight? Then, <laughs> it's not just one, it's two. Uh, so the, the social worker had let us know that it was actually a sibling group. Um, and it was actually a sibling group of four um, that, and they were asking us to take the older two. And so, you know, finally we, Jillian woke up, we had the brief conversation and decided let's do this thing <laughs> because we're crazy. And so call the social worker back. Um, and turns out they let us know, well, it is a sibling group of four. We actually have, are having trouble finding a placement for the younger two. We can find somebody for the older two. Are you fine with the younger two? Uh, and we're like, I mean, sure. You know, <laughs> What's the difference yeah. at this point? Like, they're all babies to me. You know? <laughs> um, um, so we said yes. Mm-hmm. And that was probably, what time was that? Like, I would say like maybe three o'clock mm-hmm. or so and in the afternoon. Yeah, by six, these little girls were on our doorstep. <laughs> and I'm just realizing, I don't, I don't know how to how to care for little kids classes, <laughs> but here they are in real life. Yeah. And, um, fast turnaround. Yeah. it was such a fast turnaround. And, you know, for me, I woke up and I just felt terrible all day. And then I have got to make this huge decision. And, and I almost wondered, maybe we should say no, cause I'm not feeling well. And then I, you know, thought, well, you know, kind of in this theme, my comfort is not really what's important right now. These kids yeah, need a place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were originally supposed to take our girls, um, older two siblings. They were three and two at the time, a, a girl and a boy. And so we were ready for two and three year old. And then I would say it was probably 30 minutes later. And they said, actually, no, we, we have a roughly a six month old and a one and a half year old. Can you take the little girls? And I, I still remember the moment I was sitting on a floor writing down with a pen, their names, their ages, any information could I, I could get because it was all happening so fast. Um, we didn't eat. I remember just sitting nervously waiting. Um, and I didn't eat that night after we put the girls to bed. I don't think I, I think it was probably like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, why am I so hungry? I haven't eaten because I'm just in such shock of what just happened. Um, Six month old's a little different than a five-year-old. Indeed. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, yeah, even basic things like, oh, they need to go to sleep. We we need to put them down earlier than we would go to bed because, you know, they're, they're little. And so, um, yeah, that was a huge, a huge shift. (laughs) And overnight, and uh, I mean, our lives just drastically changed. And it, it wasn't something that even seemed very magical at the time. It was more of just, I mean, there was excitement, there were nerves, there were a ton of questions. We knew very little about the girls. It, it took the days and the weeks and really the months after to learn more about their story. And even now we're still learning little bits about their story. Yeah. I remember uh, one of the things that stood out to me was, um, so our, our youngest at that time was about six months old and she came, um, with, uh, you know, a, like a grocery bag with a few of her items and there was some formula in there. And then there was that the little sheet from daycare that tells you when they were last fed and how much and, and whatnot. 
I remember just being like, I guess this is how we know how much to feed this child and and when. And just the reality of like, I don't know this kid's feeding schedule. I don't know if what's on this paper is like how it's supposed to be or just what happened. I don't know if it's yeah. accurate. This is all I have to go on. Um, and, and that just being like kind of a, a crazy idea. I'm like, I have to go buy formula. And all I know to buy is the same kind that came in this bag, you know, that the, that the baby brought with them. Uh, and just being, uh, yeah, totally out of my depth in, in, in regards to formula and babies and diaper changing and all of that. Mm-hmm. Y'all just jumped right in. Jumped right in. <laughs> One of our friends we found out recently, he said that uh, he had come over that evening to drop some stuff off. And he said he left and he just laughed and was like, they have two girls. Like, like just this acknowledgement of it's about to be a wild ride for them. And I mean, they were, some of the friends were along us, like with us, um, a lot of the way they, they have not left us to ourselves, but yeah, I think our family, our friends were all here we go. Yep. Yeah. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember being at Kmart, I think the next day, because we had to take them to doctor's appointments and whatnot and just realizing oh, you need a car seat to transport children and we don't have those. And so being at Kmart looking mm-hmm. at, you know, all yeah. these car seats and just not knowing how do you pick a car seat? Like, should I have measured the child before I came here? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. A lot of learning curves. Yeah. Um, just something I, I'm thinking as we're just chatting, could you maybe share about a really difficult time? And um, again, respecting the story and telling what you can, but what are some of the more difficult things that you guys have experienced with your older girls? Mm-hmm. I think the uncertainty of what was to come during the fostering process before everything was made legally certain or legitimate um, was hard because there was always an up and down. There was always a question. There wasn't ever this certainty that we could bank on to kind of, for me anyway, help, help me kind of carry through. Um, That was hard emotionally, I think, to wrestle with. And then I think on a practical day-to-day level, um, parenting is hard in general, right? So it's it's not easy for anybody. Um, but again, and just this idea of parenting through trauma that we talk about, there have been um, just many days and weeks that have been really difficult for us in just trying to understand um, our girls' actions or how they think or how they speak, um, wrestling with... You know, when we're, uh, and again, this is probably for many parents a struggle, but we, you know, when we're out in public and, and I and want my kids to behave a certain way and they don't, I, I wrestle with this idea of, does this make me a bad parent? Am I unfit to be their parent? Um, so oftentimes this feeling of insufficiency as the perfect parent comes up, which is <laughs> silly because we know this not to be true and this is not the case for anybody. But um, I think we wrestle a lot with that and um, just a lot of the difficulties that our girls have gone through, they do play into how they interact with us, with each other, with other people. And sometimes I forget that. And I think it, it to remember that makes it a little bit easier to understand and have grace in those really hard times. And some of the, honestly, some of the most helpful people that I have been able to just kind of sound off with and bounce ideas off with are are people who have gone through similar things. Um, And most often these are people who have also fostered 
or adopted. And, um, you know, just this idea to be able to come to these people who have the same unique perspective on parenting and this unique way of growing your family and to be able to ask them like, this is hard, right? (laughs) And then for them to be able to say, yeah, Yeah. it's hard and and you're not crazy. Validation. Yes. Um, and I think that, I think honestly that, that honesty, uh, between families and between believers, like just this idea that we can be real and open with one another. I think that is so key to helping um, each other and, and just through these difficult times. And so when somebody has been able to say to me, yes, Jillian, um, even though I haven't lived that specific thing, or maybe I have <laughs> to know, okay, we're going to be okay. Um, it's going to be hard. It will continue to be hard. I mean, Right now, our girl, our oldest is five. So just imagine we haven't gone through the preteen years yet, which everyone's reminds, reminds us we haven't gone through the teenage years yet. Um, so just knowing that there are a lot of conversations with our girls that we're going to have to have as they get older and that we've already started to have with them, but you know, as they get At older, some point you are going to have four teenagers. Yes, we will have four teenagers. And, um, just knowing that there will be a lot that comes down the road, even that we will need even more grace for and understanding for. So, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of hardships in this, in this specific path that we have chosen, but, um, who's to say that that doesn't happen with, with birth family and biological family, because it does. I mean, uh, you know, nobody comes from a perfect family. Everybody has different circumstances they're dealing with, but, um, that's good. Yeah. Manny, do you have anything to add yeah, to that? I'll share a high and a low. Um, I'll start with the low, um, maybe not the low, but, uh, uh just a, a difficulty, you know, uh, and you know, this service from sharing an office with me, but I am very uh, meticulous and things that, you know, are not at right angles bother me. And so I've put them back at right angles and, uh, color coordinate things and whatnot. And so, uh, yeah, l- being that way and then welcoming, um, two and then four children to your home comes with some challenges. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, Jillian can attest to, uh, just the, the daily battle that it is for me to be like, where's my peace and quiet? You know, that's what I signed up for. Uh, and, and the reality that you don't have that with kids, you know, um, perhaps in your retirement, if, if then, um, and so just that, that shift, you know, uh, there was so much of our lives that, um, was very comfortable before we had, uh, kids and especially before um, like, uh, welcoming foster placement and then adoption, um, which which brings you know added layers of complexity. Our lives were very comfortable and and you know we we said goodbye to those comforts. Uh, I think in pursuit of something greater, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that like there are days where it's like you know, it really would be nice if we could just get up right now and go to the movies instead of having to like, you know, convince somebody to come spend a couple hours here with all these kids, you know, uh, usually you, Sarah Beth. <laughs> you need um, an introvert cave at your house. I just need like a tool shed in the back that I can hide in. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's just reality, you know, and, and that, not all of that is unique to foster or adoption, um, but it, mm-hmm. it is a reality. Um, one of the amazing things that, uh, as an introvert, I would not have foreseen, um, but, you know, I mentioned earlier, our, our, our girls are part of a sibling group. And so there are two older siblings. Um, and so post-adoption, the older two siblings have also been uh, adopted by a local family uh, who we have a relationship with. You know, we got to know them. We became foster parents at the same time and obviously had the same uh, sibling group entrusted to us. And so 
we've been able to develop just a really sweet friendship with those folks. Um, you know, they're believers as well. And so, uh, and post-adoption, you know, we've all made commitments um, to uh, remain in close proximity physically uh, and also just uh, relationally so that the kids can not lose, you know, their their sibling connection and, and whatnot. And so uh, I'm sure that for some folks listening, that sounds like really scary. Like, oh, wait, like you can't just cut ties and, you know, start fresh. And honestly, like, it's been such a blessing to be able to preserve that for our girls and, and for their yeah. siblings that they get to know each other. They get to be in each other's lives. And yes, the family tree is a little bit less clear cut than than some other families. But what a blessing that like, you know, out of brokenness comes this wonderful story of like, you know, these these two families that now are intertwined and really one one big family yeah. um, and so that has been honestly just a sweetness in all of that and, and, and there are so many sweetnesses that we could share but that's just one that I think is particularly unique to yeah. our experience yeah that is great and that is unique that you have two families that would commit to that I think is pretty incredible mm-hmm. I think one other thing that kind of going along with what Manny was talking about is we have still chosen to have relationship with the girls birth mother and birth father, which again, probably sounds terrifying to some people (laughs) listening. Uh, And everybody going through these situations has to make um, a choice that's best for their kids and, and their situation, right? But for our particular situation and our girls, we felt like this was actually a good thing for them and a healthy thing. You know, we know our girls are going to have questions as they get older. Some of those questions we may not be able to answer. Um, you know, we there have been many times when I haven't had information, but their birth mom has that information. Um, and we are thankful that we do get to have that connection. Um, you know, we have actually experienced nothing but um, just... I think grace from their birth mom and their birth father, they have, we have actually always had a really good relationship with them. And it's, it's a little odd. It's a little awkward and tricky, especially when, you know, the fostering process was going on and everybody was uncertain and emotions could run high at times. But as far as the direct relationship between us, um, it's always been very, I think, good and sweet. And so even now, you know, a couple months ago, we, had a um, Zoom call with their birth mom. And then we had a Zoom call with their birth father. And um, I think it's good for the girls to know that it's okay to have questions and, you know, come to, come to us with those questions. And if we don't know, we'll try and find the answer for you, but we don't want them to feel this fear of, Oh, am I going to hurt mom and dad's feelings if I have this question? We want to say like, you know, that's a great question. Let's let's see if we can yeah. find out. And so, um, you know, their birth mom has even sent us, she's emailed me pictures of the girls from when they were born, which we didn't have, you know? So even things like that. Um, and, and our hope is that over the years of having this awkward dynamic that we have all entered into and, and agreed to do together, and our hope is just throughout the years that this relationship would, would point their birth mom and birth father towards Christ himself. Yeah. I think that that's one of the just very real things uh, of this whole process is that we got into it wanting to um, serve our community. And, you know, the Lord has just opened doors in ways that we would not have anticipated to do that. And I think one of those is by the ongoing, you know, involvement with the the birth family, you know, down the road and, um, you know, I think the Lord deserves a credit for that. Um, um, 
it's never been adversarial and, and I know there are every situation is different and not, not everything's everybody's experience is the same um, but it's never been adversarial and so we've, we've been blessed by that and blessed to be able to preserve relationships um, blessed to be able to, to serve what we can um, and and you know there, on, on the flip side of that there's a blessing I think for our girls you know somebody uh, very wisely said to us once that like hey like you can love more than one person in different ways. Kids can love more than, you know, one, one grown up. Um, and for us to realize like, you know, for them to love their biological family, um, and for us to like encourage that and, and to communicate to them, like, that's okay. And that's good. Like we want you to experience love and yeah. to feel love and, and for them. And that is not threatening to us in any way. I think models for girls, you know, um, just the, the selfless love of, of Jesus, um, you know, and that paired with the continued gospel proclamation in our home, I think paints a, a beautiful picture to our girls of the gospel and hopefully to their biological parents as well. Like we're not, we're not trying to be territorial, you know, we're not fearful that, you know, if they love you, they won't love us. Like, man, we have been lavished love by God. And so we, there's love to go around. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. We definitely don't always do it perfectly, but That's true. you know, we do, <laughs> um, you know, we do hope that this thread throughout their lives will, will help them flourish and into also being girls that turn into women that, that care for, um, the brokenhearted and, and the vulnerable, even in their own unique ways. Wow. I loved having this conversation with Manny and Jillian, and I hope that you guys loved listening to the conversation. Just hearing their journey through foster care and adoption, and also just a reminder for us that God uses ordinary people to accomplish His will. I love their transparency and their honesty as they share about parenting and just obstacles that they've come in contact with through this journey. Um, A couple of things you might have noticed, just thanks for bearing with us. Um, This was my first time doing an interview with two people instead of one. And also, this was our first interview wearing masks. So you might have noticed that in some of the recording. But anyway, uh, it was a great conversation, so much so that we also decided to continue into the next episode. And so tune in next time as we continue this conversation, have kind of a deeper dive, um, talking about how adoption is a picture of the gospel, as well as just some advice, words of wisdom, and encouragement for those of you who may be considering foster care and adoption. So we hope to see you next time on Simply 127 Podcast. Thank you.